Hey everybody, welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef program from the creators of Read It and Weep. I'm Alex in Los Angeles with Megan. Hey buddy. Well, happy birthday, Alex. Oh, thank you. I am cursed. It's the birthday curse. No. Uh, for sure going home today. Also, I'm making you tempura. Oh, that's true. I win. It's the birthday gift. Anyway, um, it's a gift and a curse. Anyway, uh, I'm also joined today by Ezra and eventually Sarah and Totoro. Hey I'm guys, here, I'm here. she's here. I'm she here. brought hey. coffee. Hey, hey, coffee! Hello. Happy birthday! Thank you. Uh, and also joining us to round out the panel in Brooklyn, New York, it's Chris and Tanya. Hey, dudes. hey, hey! We already uh, said happy birthday to you earlier, so it's true. true. It's, we it's, did, it's but I guess we should record it also. So happy birthday! Happy birthday, dude! Officially, happy birthday! Thank Caleb nice. says happy birthday also. I think. Oh, that's so sweet. Aww. Thanks, Caleb. Um, also, uh, not joining us this week, new Sarah and Kyle have a bye again this week. They are uh, currently on the road driving back from their reporting trip in the Seattle suburbs. So they accomplished the mission that this show required, and now they're able to head back to their Los Angeles homes. Um, Is this enough to make this trip tax deductible for them? Uh, I mean, we're paying for all of it, so they don't have to deduct anything. This is coming out of our... Sweet, sweet donations. We paid what, what, uh, all what of we it. comp uh, miles at then? Is it like uh, fifty cents a mile? What? That's yeah, below the... standard. That's what That's we should be using standard. the IRS. Take yeah. it up with HR. I will. You better believe it. Okay. Well, good. Good for them for having it be higher than fifty cents a mile. That's so much. Um, they might be making a profit at that point. I mean, think about the wear and tear on the vehicle. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Well, they, hopefully, are they are depreciating their vehicle as well on this. Um, so, uh, without them here, we can get. Actually, before we get to the episode, um, today I just want to have a brief conversation because Ezra assigned us all homework and then didn't do it. So here um is uh so today is the big uh, roller derby episode you guys very <laughs> it is the big roller derby episode and so we uh ezra told us we should all come up with our roller derby names for the episode um so sarah sent uh, her and kyle's along for us sarah's uh, roller derby name would be phoebe wallops bitches yeah. oh and she thinks that kyle if he had to be uh, like the food version, which is like what Hugh Atchison was doing, that he would be Anthony Morpain, but that his actual roller derby name he would like to use is Mark Rough You Up a Low. Hey, uh, oh. also pretty good. So I think the game is, um, <laughs> I think the game is that you uh, take a thing that exists and change it to make it violent and mean, right? That's all it is. You just take a thing and then make it violent with a pun. I mean, yeah, or just I think just like puns welcome. Yeah, sort of yeah, the overall puns very welcome. But they tend to be kind of aggressive. Yeah, um, there's usually some threat of something. Um. <laughs> uh. So uh, you guys are sending these by text, but we're typing. We're talking. This is an out out loud podcast. Well, I you're know. Gonna, so you were submitting ours. Yeah. I thought you were going to announce them. I, this is a discussion. I wrote intro discussion on the. That's the name of this portion of the show. That's the segment. Oh, it's not intro whoops. character bit. Wow, it's so crazy behind this curtain. <laughs> can we can we edit this doc somehow uh, and, and then make you just read them? Yeah. Hey, no, I, I don't care. This is this is already quite laborious. I think we are all going to have to announce ourselves. Yes. 
Maybe, I guess maybe I, but I just think Sarah's health cousin. without announcing it. Is we should birthday have, man really going to go first? Um, I Okay, so uh, I had a couple of options that I wanted to talk to you guys about and see which one you liked. Um, sure. Uh, I guess my my favorite, my two favorite are uh, Tim Guns a Blazon. Okay. That's good. Okay, which is reality-based, and he was a, a guest judge one time on Top Chef. Um, and I also thought of uh, Curtis Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nice. Oh. I got kind of a two two for in there. Which do you guys World prefer? Sliding. Yeah. Also, if I was just the announcer and not a roller derby person, I think I would be Daniel Belloud. Oh, wow! Mm. It's interesting that you've chosen to name yourself after existing judges. I thought that was the game. That was what it seemed like to me. Uh, Sarah went with actors. I thought it would be like more like Top Chef judges. Um, oh. well, I, I'm, I'm not doing either of those. Okay. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. I didn't do that either. <laughs> yeah. I, I am the pancake mistake. <laughs> uh, when I'm good. done with you, when I'm done with you, you will be burnt on the outside <laughs> and still kind of, you know, batter on the inside. You're doughy. Yeah. yeah. You're like a special pancake. Yeah. <laughs> She'll burn you, but only on the edges. Um, all right. Pancake mistake. Uh, I thought they were very nice. I enjoyed them. So, well, you're very welcome. I got birthday uh, carrot cake pancakes this morning. Is what she's referring Ooh, to. Ooh, wow, that up. sounds great. It was very fun. Yeah, they turned out okay. Yeah, um, it's a vegetable in a pancake, but also it's a cake cake in a pancake. So it's kind of a it like balances. There was like a cream cheese glaze. Yeah, it was oh, pretty oh good. Oh my gosh, well, sounds well wonderful. Played. All right, uh, uh, let's see, Sarah Naz, what are you guys thinking? So we did the, this gen, this generator thing that we sent over. Like I, I really, as little work as I could put into this, I did. So right. So namegeneratorfund.com slash roller derby gave you some violent combinations of words. I could have. I just you know, to be fair, I could have done slash uh, gangster. Uh, you know, true. And that would be uh, so weird. I, I clicked in the right place at least. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could have done uh, Lenny Machine Gun McGill, but I did not. Um, <laughs> Sounds like maybe you did though. Well, I just clicked there. It's very easy to click things. Um, <laughs> my, mine would be the top of my generator one for mail, which is Indiana Hot Stuff, aka the Elbow Mincer. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Elbow Mincer. Yeah, yeah that's a cooking term. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, out of my ten options, I went with the most Top Chef related, which uh-huh. is Lizzie Catmeat, aka. <laughs> The Diva Destroyer. Yes. Uh, yes. Wait, are, you, are you a diva who destroys, or you, do you no, destroy, destroy only diva? No, I destroy those divas. Yeah, take them down. I think. I think honestly, it's I think it's a Dexter situation where it takes a diva to destroy a diva. I think oh, you're both yeah. a diva who destroys and destroyer the of divas. Only way. I can yeah. be the only one. Yeah. Oh, it's um, a Highlander kind of thing. To it. hunt a diva, you must first think like a diva. <laughs> I'd watch this show. Uh, Tanya, what are you guys thinking for your? Oh, I'm Vera Judgy. I like I, it. I, don't, oh. I just was like, well, what is what's the cornerstone of my whole deal? And that was as close and as I get. Yeah, and I came up with one that uh, on the generator or or similar in that name, but then I thought Top Chef, so I'm Hugh Scratch You Son. Hmm. <laughs> I like that. Oh well, wait, Tanya, I, really I like also that. think for you, Vera Payne would have been good as well. Oh, yeah, but, that's pretty so, close. But the judginess. But, right. Yeah. yeah. 
But also, and and Vera is supposed to be like very, so it'd be very pain. No, but like Vera Wang, <laughs> it's like a fashion thing. No, oh, well, v- Vera Pang maybe. Oh yeah, Vera Pang. <laughs> Vera Pang with regret. Yeah, just a little bit of regret. Um, uh, I would also, I also came up with Jonathan a taxman, if you needed to. Yep. For a bonus, if anyone's looking for one, or uh, Max me. Oh, Padma smacks me. Was that not the one they did? They not talk about that. That, that was the one. Yeah. They did. Oh, did they? Yeah. Shoot, yeah. shoot! I thought I came up with that. Well, <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> we did it afterwards. Uh, so uh, send us your roller derby Top Chef names uh, online. Let's jump into our episode today. So uh, first up for the quick fire, uh, the chefs were uh, assigned from the very moment they woke up to go rob a local oyster farm. <laughs> The thing is, oh, they get me. a note to like, go to an oyster <laughs> farm, and when they get there, there's no employees, nobody checks them in, no one checks them out. They just drive in, take some nets and boots out of the back of their car, take a bunch of oysters, and leave. Guys, like the oysters are running the farm. They've already uh, taken over. Well, then that's what they, they want. Hopefully, they didn't kill the good oy- the the in charge oysters. There's one diva oyster in charge. <laughs> <laughs> one diva oyster diva oyster works. A walrus, maybe. Uh, a, a walrus? Yeah, a walrus. Why? So that's the, that's the, yeah, oh. I, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I was saying, you were you're saying like, because walrus is like uh, shellfish, perhaps, but they probably don't. But maybe, oh, it could be, there could be just a bunch of otters who run the farm and they eat on their tummies. Aww. Oh, that's cute. No, but I think I think it said they just robbed these poor local farmers and took their oysters. And I'm sure that note, if you read it carefully, they didn't zoom in on it. But it was like, don't wake the people in charge. Just go get some oysters. Here's the address. Bing it. It could be one of those things where, like, if you can get the oysters and get out of there, you're fine. But, like, well, there Possession are, is nine-tenths of the oyster. There are mud traps. So if you fall, oh, yeah, they almost got, got like a tiger pit. They almost got Josie. Josie, Josie said failed failed it being quiet and stealthy and at walking through mud. So. And uh, she allowed Micah to sacrifice himself for her. <laughs> Yeah, he went Micah to help had to the mud. Threw him in the mud and then got herself out. Um, so, uh, canonically, also, I'm going to say I think this is actually a leave a oyster, take a oyster situation where they just have to replenish oh. on their own later. It, but it's an honor system. Oh, it's I not see. the same time. Oh, so oh, it's like the quarters. You're saying like or the pennies or whatever. So it's yeah. like somebody else might just come by and drop off a bunch of oysters. <laughs> it's like got all these oysters. Off. I don't know how I got them. Yeah. Yeah. These are the laziest farmers ever. They're like, eh, you know, whoever takes them, eh, they'll put some back. It'll work out. I wonder what so, happened with like the like you know old old man Taylor. Like where where was where were they? What yeah, happened there? Have you guys Nobody? ever? I know we talked about apple picking last week. Uh, Seattle people, have you ever gone oyster stealing? Nope, just clamming. Mm. Oyster, oyster clamming. Oyster clamming, yeah. <laughs> Sure. Sure. I mean, it's a very similar process. Yeah, you're in boots, you're in the mud, you pick them up, are, you know, are dig them. Farmed or it was wild? Wild. Okay, so you were like on like open beaches, not like a yeah, old man job. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, where it was known that it was cool to, you know, it was yeah. it was okay, it was allowed, you know, cool. It seems fun. I mean, they all seem to really enjoy it, and we got our classic. Every single episode must have at least one instance of Sheldon saying, "Can't do this in Hawaii." <laughs> It's a good picture, though, of what you can and can't do in Hawaii. So I am appreciating his his constant updates. Well, I feel like he was in Hawaii. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, there's a lot you can do in Hawaii. Just they don't have oysters growing 
wild. But he, he said so many times, we'd be like, well, we don't get this ingredient in Hawaii. Oh, you got to fly this into Hawaii. It just seems like he maybe has very limited work. It's very impressive that he cooks with such limited this options. This is helping us fill out our Seattle and Hawaii Venn diagram. Oh, that's yeah, so which true. Ones which? I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Two separate circles, yeah. basically. It's exactly. secretly Top Chef Hawaii. Um, but he was vibing, I feel like. Yeah, he was digging he it. A great time. Everybody seemed to actually really enjoy this, even though it seemed muddy and early. Um, and if you want to go steal some oysters, you can just ent- uh, pull up the Bing app on your car and go to 2182 Chuckanut Drive. That's one of my favorite freeway exits on the way up from Chuck Seattle. Nut. Yeah, it's pretty it's a solid. Great name. Yeah. It, uh, take a nut, chuck a nut. Uh-huh. And that's how that farm works. Um, so the chefs had to then, they, once they got back, they had 25 minutes to make an oyster for Emerald, who loves himself an oyster. Mm. Uh, half hot, half cold. And I mean, five every, grand. Half of them got to do a hot preparation. Half of them got to do cold. It was like every oyster was half hot, half cold. Yeah, that's true. And it's not like the chefs were sometimes in, in the hot room. Um, Can we get yeah, some hands uh, on oysters here? Just like the, the yes. hot and cold takes uh, uh, before we go further. How yeah, do you I'm feel I'm a fan. I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I would say the, I don't know if this counts as irony, but I didn't get excited about oysters until moving to the East Coast because I feel like oh. for whatever reason there's, I mean, I realize there are plenty of establishments in Seattle that would have loved to serve me an oyster, mm-hmm. but um, I, it just was not a thing I did a lot I mean, before. A lot, there were a lot of oysters here. in the Northeast too. That's a big oyster area. So. It is, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's just, count. it's just more, more of a thing that i've engaged in here for whatever reason do you so, remember when we read that book that was like in new york in the 1800s you could just walk out into the water and grab foot-long oysters and just eat yeah, whole oysters meals. the size of dinner plates yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy that but wait, wait how about the dinner plates though because like part? if the dinner plates were, were smaller than that you'd have a real problem uh you know put no din- dinner plate is a standard unit of scientific measure ezra i don't know if you know this ezra an oyster is just a piece of meat with a dinner plate on either side so you don't need the plates so wait, you just, just have to it, pry open two dinner plates to get to it so it's a dinner plate the size of a dinner plate with an oyster the size of a dinner plate inside of it well yeah, this is yeah. all very yeah. complex units of exactly measure. right yeah, yeah. exactly right but basically we were not good at science yeah, we weren't good at science, but um, you know, we hadn't overfished everything yet. So exactly, yeah, yeah. it used to be huge. Um, uh, Tanya, do you like your oysters hot or cold or both? I would say most of the oysters I've had have been cold, but that doesn't mean I'm against a hot oyster. I think I just uh, it feels like a less. I don't know. Somehow, like a cold oyster feels like its own kind of thing, and a hot oyster immediately, I'm like, but they're so little. Like, what are you gonna do with them once they're all hot and stuff? I, yeah, and also the flavor gets overwhelmed super easily. I feel like when they're cooked, when it's cooked, yeah, it tastes like a, fried or whatever. Yeah, they have a truffle quality where like you overwhelm yeah. them with yeah. like just thinking about another flavor. If they have a truffle quality, as does that mean you don't like them? Do you think they taste like sea feet? Um, this is once again a big Lebowski situation where I understand people like this a lot and I don't get it. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I can't persuade you. Do you not like chewing the ocean? You know what? I, I'm not sure if that's it specifically, but I can't say I do. <laughs> it's it's like if, if the ocean snotted in my mouth just enough to make it like, uh, you know, uh, gummable. Um, yeah, that's fair. Sarah, do you like oysters? I think I'm kind of like a when in Rome oyster eater. 
So, so only uh-huh. in Rome. Only in Rome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, if we're like out, like my policy place, for everything is one in Rome. I do that. Yeah. But other places, I don't do much. It's the most diva thing I could possibly say. <laughs> I like the storyline. I prefer Roman oysters. Yeah. yeah. No, if everyone's eating fresh, delicious oysters at a place where oysters are the thing, I will eat them and I will like them. But I will never order oysters because they're on the menu. You know. Yeah. That it's it's yeah it's it's because that happened like um. There's like a place near us, um, Tamales Bay, where it's like you do oysters and like you, you can like just get them. And then there's like some like kind of picnic benches and like some barbecue pits, and you can just kind of uh, have at them. Yeah. And like it's the thing that we went for um, Sarah's college roommate's uh, birthday, I think, uh, back in the day. And like she was really into it, and I was like, okay, this is an experience. I can get there. Uh, and like I enjoyed like the you know the festivities of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and like I tried to put enough things on the oyster that I'd be cool with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that seems like an option for a lot of these. Like some of these dishes felt like, well, if you like eating champagne and butter and cream, you will enjoy this. Yeah, um, if you en- there's a lot of this seemed like they would pretty cover it up. It would cover it up pretty aggressively. Yeah, Josie, if you like chopping up chorizo and you know wood smoke, and you know yeah, I mean, slurping slurping if you, basically if you really that. Like- separated sauce so you can choose whether you want those the solids or the liquids of the sauce in any given bite it's a deconstructed yeah. sauce How yum, yum, exactly. yum. <laughs> yum, you yum. got my number um megan and i when we were in late college early after college there was a an article in slate that was very persuasive uh about how vegetarians should eat oysters and i took i believed it so we are vegetarians who sometimes eat oysters. And I like one of the things I like about it is that it's a fancy thing that I can do. Yeah. Nice. I think I've decided to like them for that reason. Yeah, I think that's yeah. part of it. I will but it's not that I liked them, you know, when I tasted them. It's like I was like, <laughs> Well, I'm gonna like this. Yeah. So, yeah. That's I, think, I think if there's a thing that I didn't like about it, it's that they cost infinity dollars and you're still hungry after. So it's just sort of like it's like, would I like to spend more money than i'm going to on dinner on just having a, an experience before i eat my full dinner yeah this that's, is tapas. That's the, yeah it's a little tapasy it's hmm. a little, little spendy and not very filling so but um a lot of these actually sounded super good so the tops were two colds and a hot with uh yep. lizzie's with currant juice uh brooks uh salsa verde and micah's uh crispy fried with uh just hot sauce and lemon which is a pretty straight up classic way to do that um and micah not only helped josie out of the mud uh he took home his first ever quickfire win with his fried oyster which is fun and seemed yeah. like he was, he was super into it and it was really important because he told the story about how he grew up kosher and couldn't have oysters so he's like um basically uh he better win because he gave up going to heaven for this so i'm glad it turned out um can we pause on that for a second yeah, certainly. This is not a common thing, uh, just uh, generally to ha- have a pastor dad uh, right. and yep. be kosher. I, uh, we, I was uh, wondering about that. That did that, that rang went, a bell as being a little confusing. As was I, as was our, uh, from the mailbag, we had a question about the household religious upbringing there. Um, I think I did so, a little bit of research on this. Yes, thank you. Um, as a I professional think, show should. I'm glad you yeah, took that for me. I think well, he's the son of an Orthodox Catholic priest. Oh, uh, and there are, I don't know which current situation it is, but like there are a couple ways you can get 
to uh, you can have a uh, a non celibate uh, priest uh, dad, where it's like you can either uh, have kids before, um, like you become a priest is fine. Uh, there might oh. be some other ways. You get grandfathered in, or I guess just fathered in. Fathered in, yeah, yeah fathered in, yeah. as they say. But the main question is: Is that a, a tenant of Orthodox Catholicism to so keep kosher? It's, it's interesting that you're so that you're that Orthodox doesn't preclude you from the having kids before, but it does go f- like it's like they rely. You're you're getting around one rule, but then you're like also no shellfish. We're going to do this other rule very seriously. Well, or it could be like a personal choice where he was like, "Hey, I I think I it would be meaningful to me yeah. for my family to honor this." That was you know? my guess. Um, as you were, so you were researching um kosher Catholics in in particular uh, specifically not or in general we, yeah not, we're sort of like right. figuring like what what's the way this is possible uh another way we were like okay could he maybe be like a um a messianic uh jew uh was the other uh-huh. theory we had um which which happens sometimes where it's like uh it's like the jews for jesus thing and, and that that can also if you want to uh you can you could you could be a priest you could keep kosher uh it was not that um but yeah it was sort of like a, <laughs> it, it was kind of like a good like a good like head scratcher kind of puzzler uh, yeah, it was really interesting. And the fact that he like um also looked like in his photo of him as a kid, he had like a backwards hat and he looked like he was super oh, yeah. cool. And so yeah. it's just an interesting combination of of things going around. But we know that he disappointed his father by going into cooking shellfish for Emerald, who he also compared to God and him to Moses meeting God. So it was also cool that he did well because apparently Moses did a good job cooking for God. That, that's actually yeah. So the burning bush, I don't know if you know, he just sort of like you know, whipped out like you know, a little skillet and then like you know, fried up some uh, you know some fried some... oysters over burning bush. Enjoy this. Yeah, it was roll. a quick fire, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> good. I like I like these religious jokes, guys. This is a fun religious riff. Yeah, we. I feel a little weird, but we're pulling it off. Um, uh, people who are going straight to hell, uh, John, Josie, and Bart were all Whoa. on the bottom. No, we are pumping those brakes, my dude. <laughs> all right, we're done with the religious portion of the podcast. <laughs> the hottest of takes. Well, okay. Well, also uh, in purgatory, Kristen, Stefan, Josh, and Sheldon. But um, in the bottom, John's hot. Uh, actually, all three of the bottoms were hot. Interestingly, it seems like cold was a slight difference. Um, I, I was. Well. I think it seems like the chefs were more excited to grab hot preparation aprons. That's what it looked like to me. Oh, um, I think hot seems different and cold seems very traditional. And so yeah. I think people were yeah. like, you know, if, if they want a zag, they got to get a red apron. Yeah. I think Sheldon was real... bummed to have a cold apron. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, although he did a middling job. Um, relatively pleased is how Emerald seemed to me. Um, the the main thing I think I want to highlight on the bottom, besides Josie, whose only compliment was the chorizo does not overpower, which is pretty minimal. Um, yeah. But the main thing I wanted to highlight was John, who made a cheese foam, and it seemed for like 10 minutes this was going to be the first perfectly executed, well-designed, good idea, popular foam. It seemed yeah. like John was the first one to make foam really make sense. No, they even he, said it, they it got was a smart to do the foam. Yeah, compliment oh. directly on the foam. Which and, you never get. Nobody likes a foam. And and this seemed like a time where a foam kind of makes sense because you're not overpowering the oyster, which is easy to do. And also, you know, it's like sea foam. It's like already a, you're eating a chewy ocean. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Bit of flotsam. Uh, yeah. Got got some compliments and then also poof, straight on the bottom because it was didn't taste like anything and it was boring. Yeah. <laughs> but the foam. They were like, good job doing a foam. I wish it tasted like something. 
So it was a weird head fake. It seemed good, and then it was not at all. I mean, I yeah. think if you grade it on the foam curve, that's still very good it's for true. foam. It, pretty yeah, good it, for foam. On the bottom with a compliment. Pretty good for foam. Uh, yeah. I will say, though, you know, foam, like divas, does best in Rome on, <laughs> you know, an excellent cappuccino. <laughs> oh, that's I true. I, when we consider foam. cappuccinos, we all actually do kind of like foam. Foam in Rome. Foam in Rome. Foam in it. Yeah, it feels feels like home the uh i think it, oh the other th- thing i think it was a kind of an interesting head fake from the first edit to the end results was uh, it turns out emerald picking shells out of his mouth does not bother him he's hella chill about shells <laughs> he might yeah i mean i guess imagine the, the amount of shellfish that he's eaten he probably has like a uh, he's evolved like a certain part of his mouth just to sort of like you know, clean and grit. Oh, he's like got a little. Grit. He's got a shell pocket <laughs> in his lips he's that he making, hides away. He was just, he's, yeah, he's just gonna make like oysters, basically, uh, like or make uh, make um, uh, like little pearls, basically, in like uh, yeah, his like cheek pouch uh, from all the. Oh, grit. I'm upset. Like, <laughs> I hate this mental image. Really, I'm Emerald making little shell pearls in his cheek pouch. Oh my god, oh, cheek pouch is just ah. Oh. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would love to buy, like, I guess, yeah, a limited edition, like, like, uh, like emerald, like, uh, uh yeah, like jewelry uh, set oh, that he's just forged in his in the in the hot irons. <laughs> How could you not say forged yeah. in mouths? That's something you can't wait to buy. <laughs> this is my sequel to Lord of the Rings, also for the record. <laughs> <laughs> One emerald mouth world to rule them all. It can only be destroyed where it came in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> throw this back into Emerald's mouth to get rid of it. Next week on Ezra Entrepreneur, I just... <laughs> Shark Tank's like, oh god, no! Like, oh, let me show you how I make it. Emerald, get out here! <laughs> and then you're like rooting around his mouth, and he's like, bam, 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 guys, bam. <laughs> there. Okay, so I just wanted to let you know there are three listeners that we have who are very much here for Ezra's wacky takes, and the rest <laughs> are very much not a fan. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people might be uh, put you in the middle for those. I think it's probably people who take or leave your. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess like you could call it pearls of Lagasse, you know, like pearls of wisdom. Like I mean, I see where you're going, but I hate it. Is that okay? You're hired for marketing, Tanya. Tanya. No, I don't want to work here. (laughs) Choo choo! You're on this train now. She <laughs> hated it so much, and yet your brain couldn't help improving it. You couldn't I stop just... yourself from being like, here's how I would package this and sell it to the public. <laughs> here's your launch copy. Here's your go-to-market strategy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, this is horrifying. I'm sorry we all had to think about it, but that is what happens with with uh, when Emerald eats his oysters. Moving along to our elimination challenge, uh, if you if you enjoyed that mouth talk, get ready for a body blow. Because it's time for the Rat City Roller Girls Rap Party. That was a great transition, buddy. So much. Uh, <laughs> enjoy this transition copy that I I got from Tanya before our launch. Um, it's uh, chefs have to cook in pairs uh, because apparently knife block is taking a vacation today when we need it. Yeah. Just pair, pair up with a buddy. Go. <laughs> oh, right. Um, which sucks when somebody has to be with Josie. Uh, and uh, and our god, Nightblock, does not determine it. Yeah, at least when it's random, I like it more. Um, well, also, it you know, like, it's sort of interesting, like, Bart 
um, ended up with Josie because he's chill. And John is like the anti-Bart where he's just been slowly moving in every pair challenge from talent, much more talented than him, female chef to more talented than him, female chef. He's just like always there to grab someone else who can make his food better. Whereas Bart was just like, someone's got to be friends with Josie. I'll do it. Okay. This is very true. But I guess to John's credit, he doesn't make their food worse. No, that's very true. Yeah. That's uh, true. Yeah. And he doesn't yeah. seem to like actively upset them necessarily. Like I feel like when he like, pairs up with people, nice. it's okay. Yeah. 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 He does. He, and he does like sort of seem to respect them, except that he then complains that he did not win on his own. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. His personality is horrible, but he is a pro in the kitchen, you know? I, in 2012, I think it gets better. He does get better. Um, yeah. He, sorry. It, I was referring to season 10, John. Well, and yeah. he does, you know, he does, uh, certainly reveal his unresolved trauma and you know yeah, we've heard about his unresolved trauma for sure yeah he's he's picking chefs that remind him of his daughter who was taken away from him that was an intense uh, yeah. which like also like let's maybe unpack what happened there because i have a feeling he wasn't a blameless victim but whatever probably not also uh that's a lot to put on another competitor in this competition who's going to beat you yeah weird way to put that on brooke um so yeah i i don't i don't like a lot of this i do like (laughs) i do like it when you find something for us no i just i like i like it when people are like uh trying to work through their trauma and like kind of reveal it basically i think that it's like it's on television yeah i know it's it's like they're doing i think it's like it's a proto it's prototherapy right where it's like it's like on its way basically to maybe uh you you being better and and handling it and so i think like, yeah. idea of, like it's a start yeah like i think that's it where it's like this is trying to be better uh and like it's just sort of like yeah you're you're on your path uh and it's, it's kind of interesting i think to see that i think it's like, actually a good time. summary of john is that like although he does have he's very frustrating a lot during the season and has a lot of things that i that are not admirable it does seem like he's on a path which does not seem to be true with some other people and stefan um, uh, like Stefan, who is cons- is is he's got a Porsche, so he's con- he's convinced he's the best ever. Um, Josie does not seem to think that anything could ever be her fault, uh, which is problematic. I, Josh thinks he's a genius, so the fact that John is like, man, I have some real bad mistakes in my past, is like actually kind of comforting. I think that's yeah. No, you you make a good point that there is there's at least some awareness there that like you know a road might need to be traveled, um, and for some people, I think they haven't yet seen said road. Um, so Bart ending up on Josie's team, see, he actually seemed kind of nice about it. Like during their fighting pre-cooking, he was just like, don't think about anything else. Let's just cook. Like he seemed like he's doing all right. Although that also spells doom because the worst thing you can do in a team challenge is not stick up for yourself in the cooking part. So if he's not doing it in the picking part, he's already in trouble. But I don't, yeah. think, I don't think the issue was ever him not sticking up for himself. No, no the issue that's is, true. Salt is bad for you. That is the main, that's the real secret here is that Bart, is afraid of hypertension and is looking out for his customers, which I kind of admire. Um, the, I think the, the, the cutest pairing was, uh, uh, no, never mind. I was going to say, who is he and Micah? I thought it was Sheldon and Micah, but they're not actually working together. They were just like nice to each other. Yeah. I think they were being nice to each other in yeah. the quick fire or something yeah. was like, all of these pairings were like kind of uncute to be totally yeah, honest I, I got confused, so i was gonna say a cute one but that was not actually a cute one this is a pretty un yeah pretty uncute across the board um but uh so you had to cook a dish based on the the food based violent pun of a certain roller girl roller derby player 
um's name. So their it's different a names were challenge that all chefs have to do just along with you know a French omelet, everything like that. <laughs> yeah, if you want to get a job at Hugh Atchison's restaurant, he's like, here is a roller derby player. Make me a dish based on their name. It's a classic audition. Uh, you have to you could either make cut a rump, jalapeno business, tempura tantrum, teriyaki terror. That one's not really a pun. Uh, and Eddie Shredder. Yeah, alliteration is um, not a pun. No, that's not the same. Um, I, I mean, jalapeno business, I think, is actually a pretty solid pun. And it's so solid, it's because uh, it's been used a lot before this. Very popular. Mm. Mm. Sure. That feels yeah. totally fair. And it's also fun to say. So that's nice. That's why it got to be the name of the episode and not uh, teriyaki terror. Um, I think that's fun to say to you, though. It's kind of fun. Cut a rump's fun. I mean, there's some funness here. Um, and, uh, you know, this is like... In terms of an ep- of a, a challenge where we kind of see how, like where just where this this season's chefs actually land in terms of creativity, because um, there was like they were told not to make uh, they were tr- told not to make concession food. Some of them made elevated co- concession food. Some of them just made like exactly what the name sounds like. Um, some of them had really ke- like there were like some very creative pockets, but also some places where it seemed like a big lack of creativity. Or in Josie and Bart. Bart's part like it seems like they've never had food before so it's a really interesting combination like what the it was it was it was steak teriyaki with rice and beet porridge on the side yeah quote-unquote blood right I mean yeah, yeah. and now I'm, I'm not remembering where was the green papaya salad and all of that was it on top no it was like a slaw I think underneath the meat or underneath like the, the but yeah. underneath well, the meat but before the beet blood meat was on a stick though oh no the meat was on a stick maybe the green papaya salad was like on top of the little cup of oh, I'm what? trying to remember I don't I quite don't remember yeah. it's like too many too many things that don't have anything to do with each other yeah also teriyaki and like green papaya salad which I'm pretty sure is not like in the same family as I just I have a lot of confusion it's it's a confused dish from top to bottom uh it is unique heading towards crappy is what we learned but also just like they cooked rice bad it was just like such a weird it was just such a thorough miss um and unfortunately Brett was the one who had to or Bart was the one who did the the worst part of it (laughs) poor Bart (laughs) whose identity has been switched to Brett was it Brett yeah, Bart, okay, here's the thing about Bart. I was looking at how everybody had done in the season so far. This was only the second time out of eight episodes Bart was either on the top or bottom. Yeah, he was in the pack. In eight episodes, we almost never saw Bart. He's Bartley just there. Like, <laughs> Bartley there is his roller derby name. Wait, are you guys talking about Brett? Because <laughs> <laughs> I middle, do remember Brett. Middlest episode, middlest person on the season uh, for sure. Um. Yeah. Uh, My favorite chef testin, Brett from Switzerland. I don't know why you guys have erased him, Sir Brett. Um, let's see what else. What else do we need to say about this? Uh, so first oh, of all, bad for Sheldon and Josh and their small fryer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to talk about tempura because I feel like tempura is up there with risotto in terms of its like low success rate on this show. Mm, I feel like it's been. It's rarely failed to the point of like a texture fail um, with uh, that we saw today. But, you know, I think it's rare that usually, it's been super it's successful. Not, I think it's usually just not crispy enough. I think it's just it seems like really hard to get tempura crispy in little tiny fryers that you usually get. 
Yeah. I also think it's rare in a main elimination challenge to see tempura pop up. Like I feel like tempura happens a lot in quick fires. Yep. And yeah, not a lot. Because it's kind of quick when the oil's already preheated for you. And yeah. 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 yeah no one, I think just the, the frying to order over and over again, I think is a tricky one. Like as opposed to right, making it. trying to cool down the oil. Yeah. Right. And when, and he's also just, you know, that you'll have less, you have to have, there's some active part of the dish that you have to do every time where if it's like, say like a, a cold dish, uh, I, like you can do a lot of like prep beforehand. And you can do like batch yeah. plating. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 It also sounded like maybe during judges' table, they were like really hurried when the judges were there for some reason. Yep. Like it seemed like maybe not all of the tempura yeah, the um, came out didn't, good. didn't work, but yeah. maybe yeah. just um, in that moment, they were kind of like rushing for some reason. I can, I can yeah, really yeah, it did seem like understand that. To that. But also, that. you got to feel like when you're in the bottom and they're like, look, the components tasted great. Clearly, you know how to make tempura, not today. And what a cool idea. And we we basically liked it, except that it, the tempura was not the right crispiness. And then they yeah. turned to and Bart and they're like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, like, Sheldon would be pretty sure he was going home for, you know, being the one who fried the tempura, even though it was like, you know, a cool dish with like yuzu curd being fried and, you know, whatever. Yeah, so but enough of the. I mean, you, you, you got to feel safer when Josie and Bart are next to you. <sighs> I mean, I think we can see that. I doubt they can see that. No, yeah. I'm, sure he, I'm sure he couldn't, uh, especially uh, Sheldon. They did seem kind of sad, but like, um, it, like the fact that they like the little sauce bubbles and like it was a, it was clever, and it seemed like they really actually had kind of a good conception. It's just just yeah. a miss. <laughs> Man, angry dad Tom came out and lectured you on on the 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 salt math. Oh, uh, this is one of the all time great Tom judging moments, right? It's also a good learning experience for all of us. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, now I, I now I know how to cook better. Thank you. Yeah, that's very... It was, although he said it like he's told me a thousand times and I don't remember him telling me that before. Yeah. Megan, um, what what was, just for the listeners who maybe didn't, you know, see this, uh, what was the, the Tom instructional point that you found so good? Uh, so he was saying that if you put something bland with something that's seasoned properly, you don't end up with something that's seasoned properly. You end up with something bland. So you you, you can't just like rely on another component of the dish to help uh, cover up the fact that one of the components you is You sometimes bland. could have like this component is bland, this component is over salty, and that yeah. might average to good. This but you can't do a right perfect of, uh, thing uh, and time. a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be wrong in the other direction to make that work. But yeah, Tom was mad about it. I mean, I think for people whose whole deal is supposed to be knowing how to season stuff, it's fair to be a little frustrated that they don't seem to know how to season stuff. Totally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's not that wild to be like, especially especially with with someone like Bart who has been called out for seasoning issues in the past. Yeah, many times. Um, and I think, you know, and part of what I think we see some of, but maybe not all of a judge's table is that they are asked to explain themselves. And so if in explaining it, they're like, well, we had this like thing that didn't taste very good. And then we had this other thing that tasted about right. So we just added them together. <laughs> like that's uh, it's a frustrating and teachable moment. I yeah. I feel like I'm trying to decide how bad I feel for Bart because um he did say in one of the interviews, no one sends my food back for being unsalty, which is like, seems like a bad misunderstanding of how food works because that's the one thing that's on your table. 
You yeah. can fix that on your own. No one sends food back for being unsalty anywhere. That's a weird thing to be upset yeah. about. So that doesn't mean you're you're nailing it. You should look out and see how much salt is being used on your table. But then there was that other moment where when Tom said, like, you're eliminated. Uh, he, when he's eliminated, he was like, uh, Bart, salt your food more. And Bart just says, not healthy. And then shakes his hand and leaves. It's I like, think it was someone, was it Padma who said, I'm going to send you like a bag of salt or something? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, not healthy. Not healthy. So it was like, I, I feel like he has maybe a philosophical point to make as well. But it sounds like then he's confused. It's hard to know. Yeah. I think the and, thing we have heard is that the judges do seem to have a salty, salty palate. palate. Famously salty palate. Yeah. Um, but so he has had epi- eight episodes to turn it up and didn't. And so I don't feel I, that seems fine. Like if you didn't learn in eight episodes, you know, that's on you. Guys, is there a chance that with Bart being a, a knight, the, his restaurant is actually like maybe like adjacent to a stables where there's a lot of salt, salt lick just readily available and people can salt their palates like, you know, as they wish kind of like before. And after. just sort of lick the salt lick as you go into the restaurant. All right, this is a train I don't have to get on. <laughs> yeah, I'm not following this train at all. So because he's a knight, he also has a salt Stable. lick? No, stables for horses. I'm sure knights do this. You don't think the squires have the stables and You're stuff? Absolutely sure that that's a knight thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Thank you, Chris. Also, like if you have a pet rabbit. Yeah. yeah. I guess um, I didn't realize how many things could have a salt lick. I was thinking it was mostly deer, but apparently yeah, deer, we're doing this to horses too. Wait, deer have salt licks? Sarah's, Sarah's deer, not yes, horses. <laughs> Love them. <laughs> that's the resident horse girl. I'll take yeah. your word for that. Um. Wait, well, yeah, uh, but you do it for deer also. You just like leave like chunks of salt out in the world for for. Oh man! I, well, here's here's what's what. We, uh, my family has a cabin. Some of you have been to it actually. Yeah. Uh, and in like from the like main window in the cabin, you can see across a very small river, and there's a an open like a clearing. And we used to there used to be. I don't know if we did it or if people in the like sort of cabiny area would do this, but they would put a salt lick in that open meadowy area because deer would then come and lick the salt lick. And then you could look at deer, which was novel in this part of the country at this time. <laughs> I feel like there are plenty of places where it's like, why would oh, I want to look at deer? This is yeah. like, they're taking over my life. But, but yeah, it was like, Oh, you can like see the deer because they like the salt. And then that's what that is. This makes a ton of sense because this is, yeah, no, on, on a camping trip once, uh, like pre pre Whitman, like the orientation stuff, uh, I had a shirt that was like hanging out uh, and deer actually ate it like parts of it. Uh, <laughs> I think for the salt <laughs> on the shirt yeah yeah deer deer just is into salt as pretty much you know top chef judges so let me let me let me double check something ezra yeah. when you were doing this this is before college were you a knight um i don't know if i was publicly I think you'd know i think that's one of the things about being a knight is secret that you know secret knights but also no. even having a salty t-shirt Secret. I think you did just you just disproved your own night theory. So that's what I think we can wrap on that conversation. Um, I the one thing I wanted to other one thing I, dish I wanted to bring up was Stefan and Kristen's uh, inside out chicken, which was corn Exciting. with liver and an egg. Is that how a chicken? A good is? idea. <laughs> <laughs> Too clever by half. I I like it inside out chicken. I think I would think you would go. Like chicken, maybe like uh, liver, and then you would go chicken, chicken, and then you'd go chicken skin. But you do it like the opposite order of normal. 
I don't understand where the corn and how, how the corn and the egg work exactly oh, in this so story. The, the corn would be inside the chicken's stomach, right? Okay. So and the egg, egg is also in the in its ovaries. So you're like, we're just taking three inside chicken parts? Yes. I don't I don't know, man. This wasn't my dish. I'm a knight. <laughs> <laughs> I it was this is a very strange and uh, like a little too much. I mean, the it was shredded also, so it was not like that's not if you were to shred a chicken, I don't know if you'd get corn puree and an egg. It'd be a rare situation where that would happen. <laughs> this is a very strange and upsetting dish. Okay, so um, uh, John and Brooke take the win for their cut a rump where they made a very good uh, rump. Um, some beef was very good. Uh, also on the top, Micah continuing his his pretty good reign with Lizzie for their jalapeno business, crab stuffed jalapeno. Yeah. Well executed, um, the, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, very good. And and we we got to reaffirm how good it was when uh, Josh decided to ask if it was bad. So um, let's let's actually use that to transition into our villain race update. Very important uh, villain race updates today. Um, some things that we think we need to uh, at least bring out. So Josh, after being on the bottom, asking, "Hey, I have a question. I hope this isn't a CJ thing." which we can all agree is the most CJ way to ever ask that question. Yep. And it was a hundred percent a CJ thing and saying like, Hey, I know I'm on the bottom, but didn't that dish that you loved suck? That is never helpful. Um, I, I love this as a, a thing also where it's just like, I know this is a bad idea. I'm going to say it's a bad idea. I yeah, can't it, stop myself from doing it though. Exactly. It was, it, it felt like a thing that he could not, he was trying to hold back and could not keep inside him. Um, also, villain update, we'd mentioned the, uh, John saying that it would be sweeter if you won alone. But also, when he came into the room to announce the winner to the losers, his way of saying it was third time's a charm, as if they'd all been keeping careful tabs. We'd all really that. been rooting for you, John. Super disappointed that other people had been winning. Oh, man. And then, but then, of course, the main update is with Josie today. So, sure. um, there's a couple of things. She's very mad that people did not have more fun at the the, the sport they went to. She wanted yeah. more screaming. She spilled a beer on Josh, which is minor, I guess. Um, but yeah. uh, I mean, I, yeah. I think the implication there is she was getting a little rowdy, and um, you know, the and other chefs were not into not the sport rowdy. or she her personality. Rowdiness was the correct decision, right? Yeah, and which I don't is, know. I like. Is- very I like tricky. Sitting. I don't know. I, I'm fine sitting. Go stand somewhere else with the rowdy people. Right. I, I guess that was the thing that I I, I think there, it's one thing to be very enthusiastic and excited about something. It's something else to then berate people who are not sharing in exactly your reaction to a situation. Totally. You're not yeah. having fun the way I'm having fun. It's very frustrating. Also, like, so I like I like I like soccer, and one thing that people who like soccer like to do is stand for the whole game. But my dogs bark by the end; they get a little tired. So I'd prefer if we all sat down and had fun our own way. Um, <laughs> like, it's hard to convince the stadium to be chill, but also energetic. So I don't. It's a tough balance. But I I would be I would prefer to like I paid for the seat. I would like to use it. That's Ooh, how I feel. Okay. New new product pitch, guys. Uh, oh boy! Uh, no, I think this is legit. Uh, how about just like uh, like gel inserts for soccer hooligans for your shoes? Wouldn't those yeah. just be like gel inserts? No, but like they're branded <laughs> and they're a little more hooliganish. In what how? way hooligan? 
Uh, they do they chant when you stand on them? <laughs> yes, they say "oi." Oh, that'd be super cool. <laughs> Wasn't there a thing that would like that were like sort of robot pants that were sort of <laughs> where where they would, they would wait, sort wait, of hold like, you up while you relax your legs? I want to know. What imagine are these legs that are robot? Are, are they're pants that are robots, or are these robot? Pants. They're pants for robots. I don't robot pants. No, they're they're pants that have some robotic business in them, where okay. you can set them to hold you up while you relax your legs. I have this whole different business. That's like, why are robots not wearing pants? I put some yeah. pants on that robot. It's offensive, truly. Seriously, I, I mean, our, so our, it, our systemic issues with uh, any type of nudity versus total embrace of violence is a discussion for another day. <laughs> Yeah, I I would be interested in pants that helped me stand longer. Sure. Um, also, if I, just I could get can't like really imagine being in a standing position and totally relaxing my legs, that sounds alarming. What if mostly okay, for like what? What are the parts of you that end up taking all the like maybe, force? Maybe of, you kind of cup your buns, and so you're kind of sitting. You know what I mean? Butt covers. Yeah. Butt covers. I got you. What if I was hanging from just the right amount of helium balloons to give me neutral buoyancy on that chair? Oh. And what about the people that are in the balloon eyeline? Yeah, that's true. That's that's hard oh, to do. Ask David Blaine. He didn't do that in a crowded stadium. That's true. Uh, that's true. He bored people in Arizona instead of New York. Um, yeah, but also soccer people like to wave flags and set off smoke bombs in their laps, neither of which are good for seeing. So it's like sort of a trade-off. Or laps. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's not good for laps either. Um, so that was part one. But then they're back at the house. Um, and I think that's probably the most important villain update. And um, they are, the, the house is sort of uh, talking shit on uh, Josie while she is a mere three feet away. Like they're talking about her while she's yeah. right there. Um, and she gets angry, yeah. bad form, which is terrible. This is terrible, uh, definitely on them. But then her response is, she comes in and is like, "Stop talking shit." And Micah says, "Hey, let's all be nice to each other." And so she then turns to him and unloads, uh, and specifically uh, suggests that that Micah is a closeted gay man, which is either. Um, like kind of like a very weird slur or outing him either way is like a pretty intensely douchey thing to do. Um, yeah. So not it's, a good, it's a just response. a terrible look all the way around. Truly. Um, speaking of terrible look all the way around, Ezra just sent me an article about wearable robot pants. Um, and this guy is wearing a robot for pants and he looks awful. It's a terrible look. Yeah, the technology is very immature. It's it's sort of like a segue at this point, but it's, eventually. It's like a segue for your hips? Oh, I yeah. don't care for it. It's also wearing pants as pants at the same time. I just want everyone That's to be true. clear. That's, that's a very good point. Like uh, you know. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. No, no. No, no, no. Tanya, is that you wanting to be my new CMO for these wearable chapters? Oh, I hate this so much. Oh, this is so bad. Oh, delete me. I can't do this. Um. Anyway, where do you guys see the villain race shaking out now? How do you How do you think it's gone? Well, I mean, 
Josie did a deeply crappy thing. And I do understand that she felt like she was, you know, being bullied or whatever. But I just, there's never a reason to like insult people the way that she did. I just think it's, totally. it's just gross. It's completely gross. Also, I feel like it also, it completely undermines her claim of being completely confident. Um, <laughs> because I, I'm pretty sure that's not a hallmark of confidence. No. Just like, you know, well, tearing and also, down. The thing that, you know, it's, it's hard because I know the future. So I know the thing that she's going to do to Kristen that I'm g- never going to forgive her for. And I'm holding that against her now. But then yeah. seeing the way she did basically the same thing to Bart at judges table is like, just makes me even angrier about the thing she's going to do in the future. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's I a pattern. No memory of this moment. Well, I also lucky. don't remember. It, I, I mean, I know roughly like I know like the loosest outline of like what she did to Kristen sort yeah, of. The line is almost as burned in my head as like you have a good pickle, which is just is, is her saying you didn't get enough sauce. She sauced your plate. I don't know. It's that. I ha- and I can see her face oh. doing it when she says it. And it, oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah, that is frustrating. Fair enough. I mean, if I had that kind of memory of Josie, I'm sure I would have been suspicious of her the whole time. But yeah. but it is, I mean, she she is quite uh, comfortable putting responsibility for things onto people who are not her. Right? That, yep. That, yep. that has been made clear by this Bart Very situation. Very clear. Um, all right. Our uh, well, last couple segments, um, we only have two Seattle uh, veterans to to go to today. So this is for you guys, Chris and Tanya from Talta Trenta, how Seattle was this episode of top chef. Uh, for my part, I will say grande. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would also say grande. I, I had a very particular grande without room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. We got, we got the oysters, which is big. I mean, Washington grows a ton of oysters and getting out into the, into the surrounding area and seeing some of that sort of, uh, Puget Sound, you know, adjacent, uh, muddy flat, a lot of trees, mountains around kind of area was great. Um, definitely the sea is a big part of that area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, especially in 2010, I feel like roller derby was kind of a big thing in Seattle. And, yeah. uh, you know, we got to see a lot of uh, women with those particular haircuts, which in Seattle in 2010 felt exactly what that was. Yeah, yeah it took me right back. Haircuts. I liked it. Yeah. Um, so like I you don't guys, know. do you guys ever call yourself Rat City? Was that a common thing for you? Nope. No, that was just them. That that was their their words. I did I googled this cuz I was like no I'd never heard of that as a Seattle thing and I wondered if it was going to be some story about how there were a lot of rats there, but it turns out Rat City is usually used to refer to um the neighborhood/suburb/city of its own that I can't quite tell, uh White Center. Okay. Oh, yeah. Rat City and it's because it was a military center for relocation and training r-a-t relocation oh, and training. so it's okay. not to do with the animal it is rat the abbreviation city whoa so, this just okay. gives me like proper context for a map that the stranger put out one time that like was basically like a map of like the like greater seattle area and all the different zones and like neighborhoods had like cartoon representation and white center had a giant oh. rat yeah, and I never knew why that was, but I always was, was like, "Oh yeah, White Center with the big rat." White like, Center is a pretty weird name for a suburb, also. Well, sure. Um, I but, mean, yeah. Seattle is White Center, depending <laughs> on who you are. Yeah. Um. I so I I will say I was feeling this episode, but I've been feeling a little bit building up all year, which is that regardless of whether this is the best representation of Seattle, it does 
make me really miss Seattle because we used yeah. to visit all the time and I like have like almost exclusively fond memories of Seattle. And so even just little establishing shots, little cutscenes of it. Oh, like, yeah. I wish yeah. we could go hang out with Chris and Tanya in Seattle. That was such yeah. a long time. So yeah. do you guys have it? Do you guys feel the nostalgia at all during this or is it so unlike your experience that you don't feel it? I feel like it's weird because it's like <laughs> I love Tanya's reaction. <laughs> I just I feel like it's like these like very strange snippets of like parts of Seattle that I, you know, didn't I, I it just wasn't like part of my day to day in the same way. So it's like these like weird little shots of like the olive eight from like the good angle. And I'm like, yeah, I remember <laughs> that. And like the monorail a lot, which I'm like, yeah, I guess that's, you know, if you're like not quite downtown, then you're sure seeing the monorail. (laughs) It's just a lot of stuff that I'm like. To clarify, Seattle has a monorail that has two stops that was built as a proof of concept during the 1960 whatever World Fair. Yeah. The same one where the Space Needle was. So it's still there and it's still on all the postcards and like, wow, Seattle's the future sort of. So would you would you say the concept is proofed? Nah, I mean, they didn't <laughs> like it. Not, not, it didn't work very well, and that's why they didn't. Well, here's the thing is monorails are a great idea when you're at low speed and low volume. Um, but then when you try to expand it out into like a an actual like metropolitan area, citywide public transit thing, yeah. not only is it prohibitively expensive, but it breaks all the time. Yeah. Uh, See also Seattle's public transit struggles, which are myriad. Yes. Yes. Yeah, famous. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I I guess I just like I, I like the picturesqueness of a monorail. Sure, but like it's been enough years where they haven't proliferated. Where it's like, yeah, this is probably not. This is not the transportation of the future. We've decided yeah, we can all stop chanting monorail now. <laughs> yeah, wasn't there a big thing a few years ago to expand the mon? Like, wasn't there wasn't there like a bill that got shot down to expand the monorail? Yeah, <laughs> maybe not even a few, but maybe many years ago, but. Looks like 90, 1997, I guess. They, they, uh, so just a few. No, there have been multiple. There have been multiple. For sure. But, but. They, canceled, they canceled the project like, in 2005, I guess. Is maybe, I don't know if that's the one that we're talking about or not. But. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Seattle has, has tried and failed numerous times to pass bills to get funding for public transit ideas that sound like good ideas, <laughs> um, but then aren't. But yeah. then all the actual scalable good ideas don't sound nearly as attractive as, hey, a monorail. So all the people who don't take public transit, which is most people, um, yeah. you know, then vote for the one that sounds cool. I so. Well, I do still want to go visit. And I have never taken the monorail. kind of want to do it. Yeah, it, it's. Yep. It's like because it's like a train, but instead of two rails, only the one. That's fun. Yeah. What a wacky yeah. idea. It's got tires, but they're on the sides. It's weird. Um, you can now yes. take light rail from the airport, though, which is pretty awesome. That is good. That's yeah. a huge that improvement. Is, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, um, public transit fact. Uh, speaking of tires on trains, uh, if you go to Montreal, they don't have uh, tracks. They just have like their subway cars just have tires and drive on oh. little streets. It's oh, just yeah. like subway streets. Well, that's fun. Yeah. yeah. For any stuff, I think, where like they, they can go on streety stuff sometimes. But they're attached by cables at the top. Yeah. And there's one going on too, on down below. Yeah. Do I like that? How do I feel about that? I enjoy. I prefer a subway to a bus, like a lot of people. If the, if I found out the subway was secretly just a bus underground, would I like it? I don't know. What part is it that I like? It's hard to tell. This has well, been top transit. <laughs> very important. Um, all right. So moving on to last chance kitchen. I had something that I was really excited to 
uh, ask you guys and I've forgotten. So moving Sorry. on uh, to Last Chance Kitchen. Um, CJ continues his reign of terror against Bart, recently eliminated, um, when they are challenged to make something not bland out of boring old boneless skinless chicken breast. Or actually, I think it's skin, but just chicken breast. And uh, CJ won with his marinated chicken with mushroom reduction and over Bart. <laughs> what? Remember, like when he like he said, yeah, just when uh, I guess was it teriyaki terra came in and oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sorry you, yeah he, he was very into teriyaki terra's buttocks it was upsetting it was, it was extremely disturbing. upsetting yeah. um, it was really I think yeah I think he's canceled for me to be yeah. honest yeah yeah I think that's totally fair it was so gross and um you're gonna have to keep seeing him for like four or five more episodes I think yeah, no really just endures. It's just until oh. Kristen, so it's two more, three more. Spoiler alert. Well, let's see. Wait, yeah, this was. I was gonna say I don't remember how any of this goes at all. So the less said, the better. Fine, fine, fine. Anyway, um, yeah, that was so weird and gross. And then he like doubled down on it a second time. And anyway, um, that was intense. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Bart uh, took his chicken and covered it in speculose cookies like he's a goddamn Trader Joe's. Yeah. And uh, that seems kind of like a weird choice, but. It was good. It was good, but not quite good enough. Tea sauce and cookie butter attached to a chicken seems weird to me, but um, yeah. Anyway, so that's Last Chance Kitchen. CJ continues to win. The sh- the Big Seed shirt continues. And mm-hmm. Bart gets no redemption at all this season. Um, I want to take a... Bart. Sorry, Bart. Sorry about it. Sorry, um, Brett. Uh, <laughs> we are maybe, sorry to Brett. <laughs> very brief dive into... So we just have uh, a comment from Bridget that I want to read really fast. Uh, Bridget on Facebook, whose roller derby name is Just Another Manic Muffin. Oh. And uh, uh, Bridget had asked a question or raised the question about um, Micah's upbringing, which we talked about pretty well. But uh, Bridget also mentioned that John had a particular uh, wicked cool looking oyster knife. Do you guys notice that he had a special oyster knife? Yeah, uh, he had a, he had what looks like a really pretty good one. Um, yeah. and it had like a little it had like a, a finger guard on one side. Like, well, that seems good because all it, it all every time someone's opening uh, an oyster, it looks like they're about to take off a finger. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's sort of blunted these oyster knives. Like in general, it's sort well, of like I, using I, a butter it, knife. It like, yeah, know? it feels like you're gonna hit like pop up and then hit the your fingers against the shell or something. It seems dangerous. I, yeah. yeah, I basically always picture people just embedding these blunt little knives in their palms. So it's yeah. it's a good time. Um, and, but then Bridget also mentioned, which I was this is my main thing I wanted to share was that uh, also says also I applied for Top Chef amateurs. I probably won't get it, but fun. So oh yay, yay. very good to hear Team that we were rooting for you so hard, Bridget. We really hope you get on it. I would love to talk about Top Chef amateurs on this podcast and be able to say this is a pack your mics person. That would be amazing and i don't know see the thing is i don't know how much it has to do with cooking or how much has to do with your wacky video and personality so hopefully you have the right amount of reality personality to get on but not so much that we would hate you when you're there it's just you putting together like 12 different pressure cookers very quickly (laughs) oh that would be a fun video actually you're like look i'm i'm ready for this and it's just pressure cookers and risotto and having a birthday and not going home yeah, you're like, it's my birthday. Watch me put these pressure cookers together and then make flawless risotto. Uh, and I'm going to win with a salad. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. And if any of you, anybody else uh, applied uh, for the 
upcoming season of Top Chef Amateurs, let us know and we can root for you. We also cannot help still. So, but good luck. Yep. Get get (laughs) them. Um, does anybody have any final thoughts or bold predictions on before we head into next week? I don't remember what the previously or the coming up on what's what's nine going to be like. Uh, uh, we didn't watch. We didn't. We, didn't watch. we don't. We don't know. Did we see? No. I, so. I feel like we did watch because I remember it started and I was like, "Oh, this is that thing I always forget," oh. and then I forgot. <laughs> so yeah, that's our brand. Yeah, that's perfect. All right, so we have well, so we have no idea what's coming up. So now you can actually make a prediction. Well, so we had to be surprised all over again. (laughs) So we had um, this week. We had twelve chefs: two, four, six, eight, ten. We had ten, and so now we're at nine, which means we have one week, and then restaurant wars. Big R dub. Yeah, big R dub coming up in two weeks. So we have one more boring thing where they're probably not on teams because there's an odd number before restaurant wars, which is exciting. Um, although restaurant wars is sad. Uh, all right. Well, I guess no predictions from that. Any, any, Oh, I remember what I was, I was going to say. I was going to say one thing. This is, I'm just, I'm just saying this because I know my dad listens to the show and he's going to bring it up when we're talking later. And I want to prove, I just want to show that I listen to your stories. Um, uh, cause Emerald specifically said on the roller derby part, he's, he mentioned he used to go see roller derby a lot when he was a kid, um, yep. in, in the Northeast. And my dad also watched like roller derby a bunch when he was a kid in the Northeast, but he's oh, told me a few times it's a, it was a very different sport in oh. that time. If you watch roller derby in the '60s and the Northeast, it was um, uh, what it was banked track roller derby instead of flat track. And the yeah. difference is shoot. Well, the main difference is not just that you go faster on the bank track, but the main difference was it was fake. That oh, roller gosh. derby in the '60s with a bank track was like trying. To, it was it was like by the people who made wrestling huge. And it was trying to make like an other version of wrestling. So it was like personalities and storylines and the comp. It wasn't really a game. There's not actually a well, game. It's that like, makes sense for why the names are so outlandish too. Totally. Yeah. You can see where it came from. But like the new roller derby is like, it's just like a bunch of people you might know destroying their knees. They're like real people playing a real game that is super dangerous for your knees. Knees but, you might know that are going to get wrecked. <laughs> exactly. Wow, is I, it, it are knee injuries the most common like I know two people who've done roller derby and both of them had blew out their knees doing it. So that's what I it's oh. I'm inferring from that. But I mean I would put knee overhead because you have two of those, you know? So like statistically, right? It's true, yeah, you can you can lose one and still function, um, which you can't with your head. Also, um it just seems like they're more bangable. They're just very when you're skating, very knee bang. Heavy. Yeah, and you can go down on them at a weird angle, you know, yeah. in a in a scrum of people yeah, with skates on. Cutting on roller skates like side to side, which is like real hard on your ACLs and stuff. So I cannot roller skate. I just wanted to share that. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's one of those things that I thought I could do, but then I learned that I can't. So oh. it's, very, it's very hard. It's harder I... than rollerblading. I because I used to roller skate when I was a kid, and so I like tried it again as an adult, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I can do this." And then, nope, I can't. It's like the the balance is so weird with the um, wheels being on like all uh, four rows of, of wheels. Feet. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't think I'm good with any of the feet moving fast uh, activities actually. So I don't think I can do like hmm. skating or like like ice skating or. Um, I wouldn't really say skiing is like a thing that I've done well either. Like, like none of this is just like where where you're, when your feet speed up. Uh, and the body has to come along for the ride. Like, I don't think that that's <laughs> not a good idea. It's hard for you. Yep. Yeah. It's tough stuff. Yeah, it's, 
Yeah, you're saying yep, Megan, but you're great at ice skating, and oh, yeah. def- I'm assuming you could rollerblade no problem. Well, but but with like with skiing, uh, yeah. it's a similar situation where my body's like, I would like to stay here, and then my feet are like, well, hey. But also with skiing, I think the thing that I don't care for is being cold and sweating at the same time. So it's not the feet moving fast about that; it's the cold sweat. I don't like. Yeah. All right, I'm not there yet, Alex, but I'm working on a product for you. <laughs> I'm sure it will look upsetting to me. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to open uh, Ezra's web store where I can find robot pants, which are both pants that are robots and pants for robots, and also Emerald's Cheek Pouch Pearls, Pearls Legacy, available from Ezra's web store, along with some horrifying Ezra's product for my freezing sweat. Tanya's least favorite website. <laughs> <laughs> That's our timeline. also is currently her employer. Um, all right. All of that. Uh, we'll talk about all of this and more next week in whatever. If any of that happens, if there's more roller skating, more uh, roller derby, or just more terrible inventions, it'll be on next week's Pack Your Mics. In the meantime, please send us your feedback. Uh, let us know what you're applying for and what you're thinking of the season as we go along. Um, you can get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, you can always email us, mailbag at packyourmics.com. Uh, we really love hearing from all of you, Chris. Mm-hmm. Great news! Oh, it's my birthday. I'm just yep. gonna I'm gonna go home. I'm just gonna like take one for the team here on my birthday. No, 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 no! You can't let the curse define you. Let's let the judges actually, you know, take you to elimination. It's you know? double elimination, guys. You're both going. Home. Uh, I'm just getting this from the judges. Nope, just Chris. Uh, oh, oh, Chris. Oh, uh, sorry. Okay, well, ha- stay home. Well, happy birthday, I guess. It's a noble thing, and I appreciate it very much getting to stay in this competition on my birthday. Um, I am like Stefan. I'm pervious. Uh, we, but other than that, everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for being here, Chris and Tanya. Uh-huh. Definitely. And Ez and Sarah, it's great hanging out with you. Yay! Have a good birthday! Yay! Thank you. We'll talk to everybody next week, and new Sarah and Kyle will be back again then, and uh, hopefully all of you will be as well. Take care. Goodbye! Bye! Bye. Bye.